Hello, guys, and welcome to episode number eight of the Heritage Agendas Football Podcast. It's been a long summer, um, but we are back for the 23-24 season. And just like we kicked off last season, we're starting this year with the Premier League predictions. Unfortunately, today it's just me. Uh, Abdi will be joining us again next week. Um, but I kind of wanted to get this out there before the season started um, and really see how this will compare to last season. Obviously, last season, a ton of surprises. Uh, Leicester City going down, Arsenal getting second place, and the big teams, Liverpool and Chelsea and even Tottenham, really, really struggled last season. So it's interesting to see how those teams will bounce back. It's been a crazy summer in terms of transfers. Even today, Moises Caicedo uh, to Liverpool, 110 million pounds. It's a Premier League record. Tyler Adams went to Chelsea as well today. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy summer, and we're really, really excited for, for football and what it's going to bring. But without further ado, we're going to start our 23-24 Premier League predictions. And for us, um, well, for me specifically at bottom, I have Sheffield United. The reason I have Sheffield United there is I think that they lost their best quality over the summer. Their best two players, in my opinion, Ilman and Da and Sander Burge, they lost both of them. Uh, they really, really haven't spent yet. The, the notable signing for them has been Austin Trusty from Arsenal. Uh, 91 points last season in the championship, very, very commendable in the second place finish. But I think that the gap between the championship and the Premier League already as it is, is huge and we've really seen championship clubs coming up that have to do on the Premier League have to really really spend in the 60s to 70 millions and not only have they not spent but they've actually have negative uh, negative spending th this summer and I think that the gap between them and the teams that are going to be even fighting for relegation or fighting to stay safe is huge of course there's still three weeks left in the season uh, in the transfer window sorry and they have a chance to maybe bring in some quality but as it stands right now, I think that they're head and shoulders below uh, any of any of the other teams. 19th place uh, after Sheffield, I have Luton. Luton, crazy. They have just a 60 million total squad value, which I thought was crazy when I was really like researching uh, each team uh, for this video. Uh, Luton did a little bit better than Sheffield in terms of recruitment. They were able to bring in Tahith Chung from Birmingham and Ryan Giles from, from Wolves. Uh, the same problem with Luton as, as it is with Sheffield. I just don't think that they have the quality to really hold their own in the Premier League. Uh, I think that just the nature of their atmosphere and, and how excited their fan base is, and it's such a feel-good story, I think that it's going to be a very, very hard place to play, especially at certain moments of the season. And the way they play, really, really compact football, five at the back, usually two DMs sitting in front. They're definitely going to grind out some results. I just don't think it's going to be enough. And again, just in terms of quality, I don't think that there's really these teams above them are not on, on the same playing field. And I, and I think that that over the course of a season is really, really what's going to set them apart. Next up, I have Nottingham Forest, a little bit of a surprise um, going down in 18th. I think that once we get past those two teams, like I said, I think Forest, I can really see anywhere in that 15 to 18 range. They were just four points off of relegation last season. They, they did a commendable job to, to survive. Uh, they brought in quality this summer. Chris Wood from, from Newcastle is a serious signing, as well as Anthony Alanga. Uh, good to see him with a new home. Uh, they kept Brennan Johnson, which I thought was really, really big. There was huge rumors of him going to Brentford for long periods of the summer. So that was big. And obviously still having Morgan Gibbs-White there, um, who's really the cornerstone of their team. It's huge. It's, it's huge. And I, and I think 
ultimately they're going to be fighting for that last spot of relegation. I just don't think that it'll be enough. I think maybe they'll they'll get off slow and and I don't think their depth really compares uh, with the rest of the teams we're going to talk about. Seventeenth uh, place. A lot of people have this team going down. I think that they're just too talented to do so. Wolves. Uh, I think it helps a lot that Lobotegi uh, left before the season started. Uh, I think that that type of atmosphere in the locker room would have really dragged the team down. And uh, people joke about new manager bounce, but it is a thing. And I think that your start in the Premier League is is absolutely huge. The way you start the season, if you start the season three, four losses in a row, it's it's extremely, extremely hard to, to bounce back. We see that every single year, especially with the teams vying in these relegation places. Uh, even though they lost uh, arguably their best player in Ruben Neves, also Nathan Collins is gone. Uh, and Raul Jimenez gone too, marking where the end of the end of an era. They were able to bring in uh, Bubakar Traore and Mateus Cunha um, on that free from Atletico Madrid, and they kept Mateus Nunez and they brought back Gonzalo Guedes on loan. I just think when you look at this team and you look at even they still have this Portuguese backbone, but Sarabia, Fabio Silva back, Ignori, Pedro Neto, Mateus Nunez. These are just names that I think individual quality will win you games at some point in the Premier League. And even though I think that they're going to be in this position of kind of fighting for relegation versus staying up, I think that there'll be one or two games where the quality that they have is just better than the teams I've already listed. And I think that is really going to be the difference. Also, in terms of depth, I think they have way better depth um, than Nottingham Forest. And that's really the reason why I have them in 17th. Moving on to 16th, I have Sean Dyche and Everton. Uh, Everton last season uh, really were in the thick of things the whole year. Uh, they were deep in the relegation zone at one point. I think they were four or five points back when they brought in Dyche. Um, and then that Arsenal win kind of changed things. Uh, I think last season he had uh, three wins, three draws, and five losses in his games, which was a 42-point pace, which would have been eight points clear of relegation. And I can see them in that four to five points uh, clear, just like Nottingham Forest was last year. Uh, obviously, the recruitment this summer was pretty disappointing, to be honest. Uh, only bringing in Ashley Young and, and, and Danjuma uh, is disappointing, to say the least, especially for a team that's really been, you know, fighting that relegation area. I think they were 17th and 16th back-to-back -back seasons or you know in that in that region and I think anytime you you really play with that tightrope for a couple of seasons the chances of them going down I can see it 100% I just think that I can see the, where the goals will come from this season Calvert-Lewin, Dan Juma uh, they have a great midfield uh, especially with Amadou Onana I was surprised that there wasn't more interest in him this summer uh, maybe that changes but I think Daesh uh, does just well enough um, where they feel comfortable at, for long for long points of the season, uh, not like previous years. Uh, moving up to 15th, I have AFC Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth have Abdoni Raiola. I, I watch a lot of Spanish football, so he took Raya Vallecano from the Segunda into 12th place twice, and I think that he's a great manager, and he really makes a name for himself this season. Uh, they brought in... A bunch of names uh, this summer. Traore, uh, Kirkes, uh, Favre, and Justin Kleiber from Valencia. Uh, they have, I think, the best squad, maybe outside of Wolves, from the teams I've listed so far. Uh, and I think, and I really, really think that they have a chance to turn some heads this season. Uh, Marco Sanesi, uh, Solanke, who's been really, really good in the Premier League. Uh, 
uh, Dango Orata. Uh, I think that relegation really doesn't. They don't think twice about relegation. I think that they'll they'll be pretty comfortable the whole season, and I think maybe there's a chance for them to finish higher. Um, depends on really where these teams go, especially the team I'm about to talk about, which is Fulham. Fulham have a lot of questions for me. Uh, I really rate Marco Silva, and I love the things that they did uh, in the Premier League last season. They they really shot out of the gate with that draw opening week against Liverpool, and, and they really never looked back. There was never a point in the season where people thought that Fulham even had a chance of going down. I think at one point they were fifth or sixth. Um, and the problem really with Fulham is has just been uh, transfers. Mitrovic obviously had that huge debacle with Saudi Arabia and wanting to leave there, I believe, for $50 million. <clears throat> They only brought in Raul Jimenez. We'll see if Mitrovic is on the way out. I don't think he's going to play another game for Fulham. I just think anytime you have something like that in the dressing room, it's really, really, really hard. Um, really, really hard to keep that there. And I think that ultimately, the longer he stays at the club, the more he hurts the squad. Uh, Jal Pajinha, I'm surprised that he ha also hasn't had interest from the big clubs. It was a crazy, crazy signing when they got him last year, and he really showed his quality. Calvin Basti from Ajax, very, very, uh, very, very good player, um, and great signing. We'll see where they are. I could see them finishing a little lower. Uh, maybe, sorry, Bournemouth should be in 15th. Uh, <clears throat> maybe they, they finish kind of in this 15th, 16th area, and Bournemouth, I don't want to take them over, or maybe even Everton. But I think that their second season back in the Premier League will not be nearly as good as their first season. And the main reason really is, is Alexander Mitrovic and the big questions surrounding him. Now, this is a team I am really, really excited to see this season. And that's Burnley and Vincent Kompany. Uh, gone is the Burnley of, of the Dice era with, with the Brexit football, uh, the long balls to the two strikers. This is... They play beautiful football, and I think that the biggest area where you see the type of football you play, they, they are playing, sorry, is the name that they are brought in. Anytime you get Amduni, for example, a player from Basel uh, for $20 million. Uh, they brought in Sander Bird, which is such a such a big signing, The def a great defensive midfielder, tall, strong, and you bring them in from the team that was challenging you the most in the championship last season. I think that's huge. Uh and you bring in James Traf Trafford, who's the England under-21 goalkeeper, and not on a loan deal, on a permanent deal. They play beautiful football. Uh, they're going to be a pleasure to watch this season, which is always good when you have a championship team that can come up and really entertain. And I think that the style of football that they play is going to be what ultimately attracts more and more high-quality names. Don't be surprised if in January there's a mid-table club going for, for a player and Burnley come and steal him away. I, I really don't think that that's... That's uh, that's unrealistic. They also brought in Ramsey uh, from Aston Villa this week. This is a team that I think at points will look like they might be able to finish in the top half. Uh, they play really, really beautiful football, as I said. And I think that they're going to settle in at this you know, 11 to 13 range. But I could 100% see, see them finishing higher. I kind of have them at the low end of where I think that they could finish. Uh, moving on now to 12th place. 12th place, I have West Ham. Uh, I'm surprised David Moyes is still the manager for them. I really thought that last year uh, he should have ended his West Ham career uh, by staying, uh, by winning that European Championship. There's nothing like winning a trophy, no matter how many times people say top four, top six, top seven. There is nothing in football like winning a trophy. And, I, and you could really see that with the West Ham fans. To be champions of Europe uh, with a club of that caliber is, is nothing so short of exceptional. Uh, 
their transfer window this summer has been pretty rough, especially for a European, uh, European winner. They're probably going to lose uh, three of their biggest players. Uh, the first one, who was already gone, in Declan Rice. Uh, the second one, Skamaka, who Abdi and I praised him all of last year before the season. I thought that was a fantastic signing. It just really just didn't work out. And the third one looks like it's going to be Lucas Paqueta, who's probably on his way out to Manchester City, 100 million uh, euros plus. But 250 million euros from, from about three players. We'll see where, where they spend that money. They've already brought in Edson Alvarez from Ajax, which is a fantastic uh, piece of business. Harry Maguire uh, for 30 million, which uh, obviously Maguire is always the, the, uh, the recipient of a lot of memes and and. But he is a quality player, especially if you sit him in that central center back in a three back role. I think it's a lot different when you play for Manchester United. The spotlight is on you every week. You have to perform, and really, he has way, way, uh, way like less of of a, of a role with the ball, which I think is where he really struggled at United, and something that you don't really see him doing at the at the England squad, which is why he's so much better for them. Frankly, uh, James Ward Prowse, great piece of business to bring him in from Southampton. Uh, and maybe Scott McTominay, maybe another attacker. They have a lot in the war chest right now. Uh, they have a good squad with people like Said Benrahmayev and talked about Thomas Suchek, Gerard Bowen. Uh, we'll really see where they can they can go. I think that if something is to hold them back, it will be David Moyes, surprisingly enough. I think that last season uh, they were stretched in with the European football and, and that cup run, and it's not going to be much easier this year. They have the Europa League, so they this is a team that really, really needs to bring in reinforcements between now and the end of the window. And I think that they will. I think they have a lot of money in the bank, and I'm excited to see where they spend it. <clears throat> Moving on up to 11th. 11th is where I have Crystal Palace. Uh, Roy Hudson comes back after uh, Patrick Vieira leaves last season. Uh, they lose pretty much their best player ever. I think their best player ever in, in Zaha this summer. But they, they didn't... They did not replace him. They brought in Franca from Flamengo, 19-year-old Brazilian, really interested to see how he does in this league. And Jefferson Lerma from Bournemouth on a free, which was a great piece of business. Uh, and they have a great team. Anderson, Ducure, uh, Guehi. And if they can keep Michael Elise, who really looked like at one point he was going to either Chelsea or even Man City, and they kept Eze, uh, there is no reason why this team cannot really fight for that mid-table spot. And I, and I don't think... Um, and I don't think that that's far-fetched. And I think that they'll be pretty far away from the uh, from the relegation zone, but they'll also be far away from European competition. Going into 10th, surprise for some people, I have Brentford here and Thomas Frank's team. <clears throat> Obviously, the big questions with this team uh, is Ivan Tony, who scored nearly 20 goals, I think 20 plus goals in the Premiership last season. And you lose that for, I believe, half the season. So... The big thing for Brentford is going to be their start because we know when their squad is fully healthy and everything is clicking, they have no problems even beating the biggest teams in the Premier League. Uh, I think losing Raya Hurts to Arsenal, especially this late in the window, but I believe they yeah they, they did bring in a keeper from Freiburg, uh, Flecken. Um, Kevin Shade and Nathan Collins come in. Those are really, really good, uh, really, really good signings. And Brentford's always been fantastic. Uh, in terms of their recruitment, they use uh, like a very analytical based system. I believe the same as one of the, the the Dutch clubs. I think it's or Belgian clubs. I think it's Anderlecht. One one of those clubs uses a very very similar style. It's the same owners. Um, I think that they play very very great football, pressing high. Uh, they have a quality team with Mbembo, um, 
and I'm curious to see where they where they finish. I think it's all about their start. Like I said, if they can start the Premier League and get maybe twenty points in the first eight nine match days, which is crazy, it would be crazy. Maybe maybe nine to eleven match days, that would be crazy. And I think that if they can do that, maybe they can challenge for one of these higher spots. Uh, I think the Premier League is like the 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 quality is so saturated this year. It's it's insane to see how many teams are really vying for European spots. I don't think that they're at that level yet. Maybe next season, a couple a couple more signings and really having Tony back for the whole season. But I think that there will be points at the season where they are a nightmare matchup, especially for these bigger teams and the teams I'm yet to mention. Going into the number nine spot, that's where I have Brighton. Obviously, we got the bombshell, not even, I think, an hour before recording this, that uh, Moises Caicedo has left the club to Liverpool, 110 million pounds, a record for the Premier League, crazy, crazy uh, fee. Uh, a lot of their club, uh, a lot of their squad got dismantled this summer, but they've replaced them very well, I will say. McAllister goes to Liverpool, also Caicedo, like I just said, and Sanchez, uh, Robert Sanchez, their keeper. Um, in their place, they bring in Ja Pedro, who I believe a club record signing, Igor, which I think was great business. Mahmoud Daoud and James Milner, kind of a different profile, more veteran experience in the midfield. And both of those combined for 12 million is, is fantastic. And there have been grumblings of them getting Mohamed Kudus, which is crazy um, from, from Ajax to get a player of that caliber, an international who did fantastic at the World Cup, who's maybe Ajax's best player. Um, and obviously you keep Mitoma, Stupinian still there, Evan Ferguson, Deserbi stays another season. He plays... We talked about great football with company. Deserbi, arguably the best, uh, the best coach in terms of coaching up players under pressure this season. Crazy, crazy coach. Uh, and now they have hundreds of millions of pounds in the war chest, and we know how good Brighton spends. They they just find on every corner of the world a player who who plays out of this world in their system, and they flip him a couple years later. That is frankly their model of success, and it's working fantastic. I think. If they can replace Caicedo appropriately, maybe they can push for higher spots. I think, obviously, the danger now is a lot of teams know how much money they have, so they're way, way, way more reluctant to sell them uh, to sell them players at, frankly, how cheap they were getting. Obviously, we're going to see maybe Enciso, how he can do this season, and as well as Billy Gilmore. Moving into eighth, this is where I have Tottenham. Uh, obviously, another piece of news is today we learned Harry Kane looks like it's a done deal to Bayern. Uh, I think that was the big question mark with Tottenham and really why people were reluctant to put them into that top six mix. Uh, now that we know he's practically gone, I think that this eight spot is where they will settle in. Maybe they can push up to seven or six. I don't think that they, they have the squad to challenge yet for top four. Um, the striker market is very, very dry. Uh, I think Richarlison now is going to be the main man, but... You get a player like James Madison, someone that Tottenham really haven't had since the likes of Christian Eriksen. And I think that's a fantastic piece of business. And I think that they don't have that high profile type of manager uh, anymore with uh, Antonio Conte leaving. Um, I post Postigalu, I think is his name, Andre Postigalu. I'm definitely butchering that. They bring him in from, from the Scottish League. I think that you, you get a coach like that who's going to play some good football. Um, and 
the pressure is not going to be on him from the start. I think that this is one of the first seasons where the pressure really isn't on Tottenham to perform, perform, perform. And I think that makes a huge difference. But obviously, this this is a great squad. Youngman's son, uh, off-season last year, but you know he's going to bounce back. Uh, they bring in Van de Ven, and they already have Christian Romero, uh, Kuluchevsky, Richarlison, uh, Destiny Udogi. We'll see how they do. Uh, we'll see how they do, but maybe more spending in the mix. But Tottenham right now, I think that they have uh, a worse squad than the squads I'm going to mention. And I think they start a little slow without Kane. It's a huge adjustment. Number seven, maybe this is the first surprise from the top half teams. I have Newcastle United. Uh, Eddie Howe, fantastic job last year. Third place, the one of the best, if not the best defense in the Premier League. Clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet. The big difference between last season and this season, I think, is the European football. I think when you can wait a full week and really instill your system, I think that's going to be something that helps Tottenham out, uh, who we just talked about. When you can wait a full week and really have the whole week to prepare for an opponent, it's a huge difference. Playing in Europe, especially in the Champions League, and it's going to be their first first campaign in, in that competition in probably two decades, the pressure to perform in every single game, especially the midweek ones. And really, they didn't reinforce their squad the way I thought that they would with the prospect of Champions League football. Obviously, they did a great job. Sandro Tonali is a crazy, crazy signing for a club of the caliber of Newcastle. Um, Harvey Barnes, another great signing. Uh, Tino Livermento, great signing. They they sold St. Maximin, which I can't lie, surprised me. I think Anthony Gordon only gets better. Um, but... And Miguel Almiron, obviously, last season, crazy season. And they kept Bruno Gamerez, and obviously Alexander Isak was doing great for them. But I think that their squad depth and just the fact that they have to really compete now in the Premier League, where teams will not take them as lightly, and when you get into the midweeks, they have to play in the Champions League against the best teams in the world. I think that when they get to that November, December, January, they're going to really start to slip up. And I think that maybe if they get eliminated from the Champions League a little early, maybe they can creep back into that Europa League, Champions League mix, but I think as things stand right now, this is where they finish um, in seventh. Sixth place, uh, a lot of people have been very, very high in this team. I have Unai Emery's Aston Villa. I think uh, maybe outside of the clubs, from the clubs I've listed, maybe they've won the window. Uh, anytime you can bring in Yuri Tielemans, Pau Torres, and Musa Diaby to Aston Villa is crazy. It looks like they're going to keep Emmy Martinez. Uh, they have quality at every single level uh, of the pitch. That center back, that center back partnership um, of Diego Carlos and Pau Torres is right up there with some of the best partnerships in the Premier League. They have great depth with with Tyron Mings. Um, obviously, they too have European football with the Conference League, uh, but I think the Conference League is way different than the Champions League and even the Europa League for Brighton in the sense that you can kind of coast, but the travel is very, very difficult. There's a lot more travel involved usually in that competition. And I think that they're going to go very, very deep in that. Unai Emery has always been a fantastic uh, cup manager. Uh, I think that it's going to be really a, a new new experience for, for the squad and, and for the fan base really competing deep into the season in multiple competitions. But I think that they've done a fantastic summer. Uh, they've done a fantastic job this summer in terms of bringing in names uh, and really, really quality names that, that are going to help them right from the get-go. And I think that that ultimately gets them into this uh, Europa League sixth place. Now, the fifth place is very surprising. Uh, I have Manchester United. Uh, Manchester United, a lot of people have been 
even saying might compete for the premiership this season. Uh, in terms of the recruitment this summer, big, big question marks. I think Rasmus Hoyland is, is, a, great, is a great striker. 70 million is, is a lot for a 19-year-old player uh, who's obviously united. It's, it's a whole different stratosphere in terms of the pressure um, and what it takes to really perform and, and impress the fan base. He's going to be starting a ton of games. They're going to be expecting goals every game, especially if he starts well. Uh, Mason Mount comes in. Um, I don't know how. I, I really am curious to gauge how that Mount, Bruno, uh, Bruno Fernandez, and Casemiro midfield works out. I, I think it's a little too attacking for me. Uh, question marks on the right side. Who's, who's going to steal that role? Is it Anthony? <clears throat> Is it... Uh, is it Jaden Sancho? Maybe we've been talking about a resurgence for him. And I just look at the recipe of success that they had last season. Obviously, they had that insane tear after the World Cup where they won a bunch of games in a row. And they were doing great in the Europa League during that time too. Marcus Rashford was scoring every single game. Uh, and they still finished fourth. And there was points towards the end of the season where United fans were getting scared that they were going to bottle the top four. I think that bringing in Andre Onana is huge for the way that Eric Ten Hag likes to play. I think now they can, for the first time in, in his era, really play out from the back, play the type of football he likes to play. Um, they can press a lot better. Uh, they still have question marks at right back. I'm, I'm really surprised that they didn't bring in a fullback right or left this summer. Uh, and they have question marks of where the goals are going to come from. Can Hoyland really fill the shoes of having a number nine that, Manchester United have not had a dominant number nine since maybe uh, Robin Van Persie. So it's it's been a while. And if that happens, maybe we can have a different conversation and maybe Manchester United are not just challenging for Champions League and going deep in that competition, but challenging for the Premiership. Now we move into the top four. And uh, in my fourth spot, I have a team that I can't even lie has fully... Uh, earn my respect in terms of their recruitment and what they're doing. Um, at times, Chelsea looks like a dumpster fire where they're just buying left and right. Uh, probably the craziest club I've seen in the, in the last couple of years in terms of just how fast they get these deals done. It's literally like one, one day they're interested in the player, the next day deal done, like medical booked. Uh, they absolutely cleared their squad of every single person that wasn't in Mauricio Pochettino's plans. Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, uh, Kovacic, Koulibaly, Pulisic, uh, Edward Mendy, uh, N'Golo Kante, Aspilicueta, Aubameyang, and more names. And they have they have brought in tons of names this summer. Christopher Nkunku, obviously the big news is he's out for the next three to four months. Uh, that hurts a lot. Um, Distasi, who they brought in uh, because of the injury to Fofana. Uh, Nicholas Jackson, who's been doing fantastic in, in preseason. Robert Sanchez from Brighton. Levi Colwell, who you bring back on loan, and Malo Gusto, who comes in, uh, he was pre-agreed from January, and the return of Ian Madsen. I think that there's going to be growing pains for this Chelsea team. They're a young squad. Uh, I think that the Christopher Nkunku news is huge. At one point, I was thinking that maybe they finish even as high as second. I think that the Nkunku news pushes them back just a little bit, and obviously missing out on Caicedo, which we just found about, also hurts. But they have a fantastic squad. If you just look at them from back to front, um, they have a full fielding of center backs who I, who I really, really like. Badia Shile, uh, Axel Desasi, Ben Chilwell on the left. Obviously, left back is the biggest question now. And Malo Gusto or Reese James on the right. 
and that double pivot of, of Enzo Fernandez and Tyler Adams, or maybe if they go, they go get Lavia, and that front four when Nkunku comes back will be Mudrik, um, Raheem Sterling on the right, maybe Michael Elise if, if they go back in for him, Christopher Nkunku and Nicholas Jackson, who Jackson in preseason has been looking like the number nine that Chelsea have been missing since the days of Diego Costa. Like he's been fantastic, nothing short of it. Uh, and also Levi Colwin in the defense, who I, who I forgot to mention. I think the big difference uh, for Chelsea is just how much depth they have. They have a ridiculous amount of depth and they have like a full 11 of young players who obviously they have the affiliate deal now with, with Strasbourg. They are littered with talent. I can really start to see this project coming together. I'm really, really curious to see where it goes from here, but I'm moved, frankly, by, by what they're doing, and I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes from here. <clears throat> Moving into the top three, I have Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, who I had actually fourth before the Caicedo signing because huge questions at DM is, is no joke. Liverpool did a great job this summer in terms of really addressing their weaknesses. They bring in three new midfielders, so they're going to be having a whole new whole new midfield trio, uh, trio sorry. So Botslai, McAllister, Caicedo. Fantastic midfield, really puts them back in the driver's seat in terms of how their squad ranks uh, compared to their uh, competitors. And uh, Ibrahima Kanate and Van Dijk, fantastic centre-back duo. Obviously the questions with Trent and Robertson, can they continue to give that the levels that they were when they were really competing for premierships and Champions Leagues? Maybe. And people are forgetting about Luis Diaz, who really feels like a new signing. And you bring back uh, Diogo Jota, who was injured for large periods of last year. And they were really trying to figure out how to play with Mohamed Salah and, and Darwin Nunez. So we'll see now. And Cody Gakpo, too. So they have a lot of depth up front. Uh, they have a midfield trio who I think Liverpool fans can go to bed thinking, okay, they're in good hands in that area of the pitch. Uh, and a good defense. The question, again, is just how will injuries affect this squad uh, can they really hit the ground running? That opening matchup against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge first weekend is is going to be a crazy game, and I'm and I cannot wait to see uh, cannot wait to see what happens. Ultimately, now we will see who wins and who gets second. And I really thought about this decision for a while. Here's who I have second. I have Arsenal in second. I thought really long and hard about them potentially winning the Premiership. Ultimately, here's why I don't think that they will. The goals. I just don't know where the goals are going to come from. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, Kai Havertz, Martinelli, Boyoko Saka, Martin Odegaard. Which one of those players would you confidently say will get you 20 league goals? Because at the end of the day, you will not win the Premier League if you do not have that 20-plus goal striker. Uh, and with Man City, there are no questions. Erling Haaland will get you 30 goals. We do not know who's going to get those goals for Arsenal. They're a fantastic squad. The, the recruitment this summer, 10 out of 10, Declan Rice, Kai Havertz, Urien Timber, David Raya. Those four names, fantastic piece of business. They got better in almost every phase of the pitch, defensively much better, in the midfield better. Now they can have Thomas Partey and Declan Rice, and they have the return, obviously, of European football in the Champions League, which is going to be huge to see how they really stack up against the best teams in Europe. Each one of their players is getting a year older, which is great for their development. Uh, and they have more depth now. Leandro Trostard was great business, uh, bringing him in 
uh, from Brighton in the winter. And obviously, the Williams Saliba return from injury, um, who a lot of Arsenal fans really cite for derailing their season last season uh, when Saliba got hurt. Uh, the question marks again is just who can get the goals? And if one of the players between Gabriel Jesus, Kai Havertz, um, Martin Odegaard, Bujoka Saka, uh, Gabriel Martinelli can get you those 20 league goals. I think we're having a completely different conversation in January, February, when we really start to get into the thick of things of who really is going to pull away from the Premier League title. And finally, Man City. Man City, I have them winning their fourth uh, Premier League in a row. Uh, treble winners last season. Uh, this summer, I think that before the signing of Paqueta, or it looks like it's close to happening, I think that you could argue that they were the only team that got worse from these top six right here. But if they get Paqueta, it's just unbelievable. Paqueta, Guardiola, they're going to spend $200 million plus um, net. Pep Guardiola is bringing to a team now Erling Haaland, who's going to get you your 30 goals. And easily the best defense in Europe. Easily. Laporte, Ake, uh, Guardiola, Stones, Diaz, Walker, Cancelo. Uh, just crazy. Like, they have six or seven center backs who would literally make it into almost any team in the world. Maybe any team in the world. Ruben Diaz, for me, starts for any team in the world. Uh, John Stones is, is, is in that conversation. Guardiola is in that conversation. And they are littered with depth at every single position. Calvin Phillips, Rodri, um, Kovacic, De Bruyne. Now you bring in Paqueta if he comes through. Uh, and on the wings, you have Grealish, maybe Olise, Phil Foden. Uh, no more Mahrez, I think will hurt them. But Julian Alvarez and Erling Haaland. You know, I just think that the quality of this team is, is just simply too good. I think the quality of this team is too good. Uh, if... Arsenal can get that goal scorer. I think that that's the team that challenges them this season. Maybe Liverpool. The only problems with Liverpool is that uh, their squad's a little too thin for my liking. Uh, after those three in midfield, there's a huge drop-off. Maybe Thiago Alcantara. But after those names, there's a huge drop-off in midfield. I think City is just a machine. They just turn out name after name after name. The, the problems with City will not be squad-wise. I think if City... Um, does not win the league, it'll be complacency. I think anytime you win a treble, especially in the dominating fashion that they did in the Champions League, at least that side, the Premier League, obviously they were fighting for it till the end. Um, you can have a sense of complacency, but I think that Pep Guardiola um, is the perfect manager to deal with that kind of thing. He will not settle for that type of complacency. He's always hungry. Um, and you know, he wants to set that record and be the first uh, first team in the Premier League era to win, to win four uh, premierships in a row. But that is my top 20, uh, my Premier League predictions for 23-24. Uh, really curious to see how it stacks up to what happens at the end of the season as well as comparing it uh, to last season. Um, but uh, on behalf of Heritage Football's, uh, Heritage Agenda's Football Podcast, this has been Ibrahim and this has been Episode 8. Uh, episode 9 next week should be back to normal with me and Abdi. Um, but until then, uh, take care of your guy. Uh, take care of yourself, guys, and uh, looking forward to a great season. Thank you.